We thank you, Lord, just for, again for this opportunity to hear your word and to hear you speak to us as a church. We love you, Lord God, that we can freely come and, and hear what our Father in heaven speaks to us. And I pray, Lord, that the word today again will be pure and that will glorify you and you only. We love you, Lord Jesus. Amen. Amen. And more of you guys were here Easter Friday. Good Friday. Yay. I was here as well. I brought the word. So on Easter Friday, just a quick recap. We spoke about... Um, we, we, we spoke about how Jesus carried his cross because why in the end, in, in, in the end there was no victory because he carried his cross and because he fully submitted himself to the will of his Father. And in the same way, um, if you guys can just put the sound a little bit softer, there's a bit of an echo in my ears. And, and, and in the same way, we as believers, we all have our own cross to, to, to carry, to bear, because we're not the, the perfect people. But we can follow the example of Jesus and carry our own cross. And with His power, with the power of Holy Spirit within us, He makes us strong to carry our cross and to get to a point of victory. Amen. So that's what we talked about on Friday, and if, if you missed that, that's, that was a really good word from the Lord, and you can check it up on our, on our YouTube channel, Living Word in Namibia. It's on there. We also have a, a podcast that you can, can hear. But today, today the Lord spoke to me to bring a little bit of a different word. It's going to be less of a preaching, but more of a, a, a teaching word. Um, a little bit more, we call it apologetics. And the thing is, we're going we're gonna to speak a little bit more about the, the, the background of the resurrection, of where it comes from, where was it, in, in the, where was it written in the Old in the Testament, why it happened on the third day as well. But we're also going to speak a little bit about the evidence of the resurrection if it really happened um, or not. Because there's, there's, in the world that we are in now, you can look on the internet, there's so, so many views out there, and many of those views actually deny Jesus, it denies the resurrection, it denies um, everything that we believe in. So, you know, for me, when I grew up in church, it was, it was a, a thing that we did. On Easter weekends, on the Friday, um, we come to church and we hear the message about the crucifixion. There might be some pictures on the screen of Jesus on the cross. And we go home and then we come again to church on a, um, a, a, a Sunday and we hear a story about a, a resurrection. And it's always this, the same sort of stories over and over again, so you sort of hear the same things over and over again, and there's nothing 
wrong with that? You know, the more we know the story, the better, the, the, the more we can, the more we hear it, the more we can remember it, and the more we are able to, to share the story. But, but something that the Lord has really put on my heart this last few weeks is we know the story, but do we know why we believe it? Is it because someone said Jesus died, so okay, tick box, I believe he died because you said so. I believe he got resurrected because you said so. Someone with a degree said Jesus died on a cross and he got resurrected, but I wasn't there, but I believe you. But is it true? Do we as believers in, in Jesus really know it's true? And if we believe it's true, say for instance, someone comes to you now and says, it's a hoax. It's one of the biggest, biggest hoaxes ever. He died, Jesus died, he's dead. What, what would you answer him? How would you answer him? How would you defend what you believe? Because we've, we hear all these things from the pastor, Dwomini, priest, whoever. We hear all these things, but do we ourselves know why? What happened? Is he dead? Is he alive? Did he die on the cross or not? How does this whole thing, um, how does it all fit, fit to, um, together? So that's a little bit what I'm going to sp speak about today um, is how we can also defend what we believe in and not just defend with words but defend with facts from Scripture. Amen? You guys excited for that or is it, um, am I the only one excited? I love this stuff. So, yep. Let's, turn, let's start with, um, if you guys turn to, two, uh, to 1 Corinthians 15, verse 3 to 5. 1 Corinthians 15, verse 3 to 5. We'll start there. Okay, and it says the following. For I delivered to you first of all that which I also received. That's not Paul. He's talking to the, the church. He's, he's speaking to them what he received, the revelations that he received. Um, and he says, first of all, that which I also received, that Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures. And verse 4, and that he was buried and that he rose again the third day according to the Scriptures, and that he was seen by Cephas, then by the Twelve. So he says, For I delivered to you, first of all, that which I received, that Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures, and that he was buried, and that he rose again the third day, according to the Scriptures. And that he was seen by Cephas, then by the Twelve. Now, if we say Christ died, and he rose again on the third day, 
according to the Scriptures. So then now someone from another faith comes to you and says, according to what Scriptures? Because it says Scriptures, but not even in my, the, the Bible is there any references to other Scriptures. So according to what Scriptures? What would you say? I don't know. Because you know what? There is no Scriptures that's in the Old Testament before the resurrection of Jesus that points to the resurrection of Jesus. There's no specific Scriptures, but there's a lot more to it. Um, so there's, there's no specific um, specific scripture. Um, however, there's a, there's a very a long list of events that happen straight from the first book of scriptures in, in Genesis un, until the end that shows that God does very big major events, saving events, saving people events on the third day. And also there's a, there's a, a, a pattern that, that is established throughout the Old Testament. From the book of Genesis, there's, there's many examples, you know, that the Lord, He, he sort of waits, waits, waits for, for something, and then He makes it happen on the third day. And I'm just going to put up a few of those ex examples just so that you guys can get the bigger picture. Example number one is when, when, when Abram nearly sacrificed his son Isaac. We read in Genesis 22 verse 4, and it's not on the screen, but you can write that down. In Genesis 22 verse 4 it says, On the third day of their journey, as saw when, when, when Abram took his son to be sacrificed, on the third day of their journey, Abram looked up and saw the place in the distance. So that's now the place where he had to sacrifice his son Isaac. And just a little bit of a, a, a background history um, is that, that Isaac, if you study Scripture, was a type of foreshadow of Jesus, the Messiah. The same way that Isaac carried his own wood to be sacrificed, the same way Jesus carried his cross to be sacrificed. But it all happened on the third day. In Hebrews 11, verse 19, it says that, um, that, uh, that, um, that Abram reasoned that if Isaac died, God was able to bring him back to life again. And in a sense, Abram did receive his son back from the dead. So the way he received his son back from the dead, I mean, in a sense, it and it points to the resurrection of Jesus. I hope this all makes sense, because Isaac, he was a, a foreshadow of the Messiah to come. So the same way he carried his wood to get 
I'm offered on the altar the same way Jesus carried his cross. This, the same way that, that, and that Abraham believed that his son will come back, and his son did, that represented Jesus that will come back from the dead being resurrected. Makes sense. You get that link. Then the second one, the second example we find in Exodus 19 and 20. If, if we read in Exodus 19 verse 10 to 11, it says the following. That's now the Lord. He speaks now to Moses and he says, Then the Lord told to Moses, Go down and prepare the people for my arrival. Consecrate them today, first day, and tomorrow, the second day, and have them wash their clothing. Because why? Verse 11 says, Be sure they are ready on the third day, for on that day the Lord will come down on Mount Sinai as all the people watch. So the Lord told his his friend, high priest, servant, Moses, he said, let the people clean themselves. They've got two days to wash themselves, make everything nice and clean. That represents us, the church, his bride, to cleanse ourselves. Because on the third day, he will come and he will bring something big. And what happened there in, in, um, at Mount Sinai on the third day, the Lord came down, and one of the biggest events ever happened is the Lord gave the people of Israel His covenant, the Ten Commandments, the law to which they should live by on the third day. Example three, the story that Jesus referred to Himself, that pointed to His own death and resurrection, who of you guys know the story of Jonah and the fish? Yes. So God appointed that fish to swallow up Jonah, and he stayed in the fish for three days and three nights. And it points prophetically to what happened on the third day the fish spit out Jonah. The same way with Jesus at his crucifixion, he went down to the belly of the earth into Hades and after three days resurrected again. And lastly, when we look at the prophet Hosea, if we, if we read Hosea 6 verse 1 to 2, it says the following, Come and let us return to the Lord Return to the Lord means not just return to Him. It means we, we come in repentance before Him. We lay ourselves down before Him. So come, let us return to the Lord. For He has torn, but He will heal us. He has stricken, but He will bind us up. So He will heal us again. He will make us whole again. After two days, He will revive us. On the third day, He will raise us up that we may live in His sight. So the, the, the prophet there spoke about 
nation of, of Israel. He, he prophesied a big a, a saving event. It wasn't a specific day there, but the third day meant that there's something big, some saving grace that the, the Father will come and present to His new people. So there's all these things. There's, there's heaps more in Scripture, but there's, there's all these things that, that um, it forms a, a, a pattern in Scripture that says to us that there's something big happening on a third day. So, when we read resurrection on the third day is a fulfillment um, of a biblical pattern that's starting in Genesis and the whole Old Testament in the life of the people of Israel. So there's so many things in Scripture, especially before the crucifixion, before the Lord's resurrection, it speaks about the Lord doing something big, something new, some saving grace thing on the third day. And all these scriptures points to the resurrection of Jesus. Make sense? I know today's a little bit more teaching, but um, we need that sometimes. So the next part I'm going to speak about in short is, is the, the, the evidence for what we believe so that we are able to defend against the people that say Jesus is dead. There's, there's no resurrection. It's all a hoax. But in Scriptures, we can see that there's so many things that, that gives us the evidence to defend our faith. Amen? And then we know what we can... We are equipped in that when we are in those situations, we can confidently and truthfully answer people. Amen? Marissa, if you can put up the next slide, there's a, a quote that it, it sort of all makes sense if you, if you understand what that means, and it says the following. It's by a, 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 a preacher in America, a theologian, and he says, if Jesus rose from the dead, then you must accept all that he said. If he didn't rise from the dead, then why worry about any of what he said? The issue on which everything hangs is not whether you like his teaching, but whether or not he rose from the dead. If Jesus didn't rise from the dead, everything else means nothing. He had to rise from the dead for us to be here today. And that'll make sense soon. The resurrection of Jesus Christ is the climax of the New Testament. What do I mean by that? I mean by that is when Jesus came to earth 2,000 and something years ago, it was the darkest, darkest, darkest time in history. The, the, the people were 110% without the God. So, in that darkest time, he came to shine the, the brightest. And just to, to put that into to perspective, why do we say he came in the darkest time? 
People just did whatever they wanted. They believed what, what um, they believed whatever they wanted, and many of the people they they knew in their hearts this guy is Jesus because they saw things, they heard things, but still they decided to crucify him. Now, just imagine 2023. Imagine. This is us now. This is now the darkest time ever in humanity. And here comes Messiah who created us. And we decide to crucify him because we don't like the things he say. What he say, what scripture says, it offends us. So if we feel offended, we crucify him. Just imagine Jesus being here today, and we all say, you're fake, we take rocks, we, we, we throw at him, and we, we, we crucify him. That's how, how dark it was 2,000 years ago that people crucified their own creator. But the resurrection truly happened, and it was an event of a massive, massive magnitude, and that event affected all of us. What effect did that have? Like, why was this event so important? Why, why do we need to believe in the resurrection? Why is it so important? Because why? It's not just a nice story of someone, Jesus, that's being raised from the dead. There's so much more to it. The one big, big thing is, and, and we can see this in, in Romans 1 verse 4, and I think it's on the board there. The first thing is why we need to understand the resurrection is it demonstrates to us that Jesus is God. Everything that He said, that He did was true, and that He is God. It says in, in Romans 1 verse 4, it says the following, and that's not Paul's speaking about Jesus, and, and him not Jesus, and declared, and Jesus declared to be the Son of God with power according to the Spirit of holiness by the resurrection from the dead. So by being resurrected from the dead, Jesus declared he's, um, that He is the Son of God and that He is God. It confirmed that He is God. That's something that no other being or human can, can, um, can attest to, can, can claim. He declared to be the, 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 the Son of God. And the other big thing is why the, the resurrection is important, and we see that in Romans 10 verse 9, and it's not on the board, but in Romans 10 verse 9 it says that when we accept Jesus as our, our Savior, and when we believe then as believers that He rose from the dead, that we will be saved. So the, so, so the resurrection as two big things is, number one, it confirms God, that Jesus is God, but number two, for us as well, it confirms that we are saved and that we have eternal life with Him.
So without the resurrection, there's nothing. Then everything that we do is a hoax. So, so, so that, that's why we need to understand the resurrection and that it's true. And there's a, a, a slide there as well that I put on that our salvation rests on the authenticity of His resurrection. Our salvation rests on the authenticity of His resurrection. Let's quickly turn to 1 Corinthians 15, and I'm going to read from verse um, 17 to 19. 1 Corinthians 15, 17 to 19. It says the following, And if Christ has not been raised, then your faith is useless, and you are still guilty of your sins. Verse 18, in that case, all who have died believing in Christ are lost. And if our hope in Christ is only for this life, we are more to be, to be pitied than anyone in this world. And I like, and you can put it in the next one, I like what the Amplified said as well. It says, and if Christ has not been raised, your faith is worthless and powerless. It's a mere delusion. You are still in your sins because no one died for our sins. No one took our sins away from us. So we're each responsible for our own sins. Then we each need to be sacrificed if there's no resurrection. So you are all still in your sins and under the control and the penalty of, of sin. And verse 18, Then those who have fallen asleep in Christ are lost. If we who are abiding in Christ have hoped only in this life, and this is all there is, then we are a people most miserable and to be pitied. Hectic. And there's, there's so many people I spoke to as well in my life, um, especially, especially some atheists and some other uh, uh, religions that believe that this is it. They don't understand Jesus. They don't understand the Father and the Holy Spirit. There's literally no hope for a future. It's just, this is it. This is it. And this is all if you take away the resurrection. And that is what the world is trying to do. The world is trying to, to make us believe that this is just another a religion, what we believe in Jesus, or if we believe in Zayfet, okay, Buddha, um, Muhammad is dead, they're all dead, um, and the world want, wants us to believe that we have the same thing happening with us, that our Lord is dead, so it's just another thing to believe in, it's just another way um, to look at the world, but there's so much more, there's so much more. So, in essence, the, the, um, the resurrection of Christ, it, it, it offers of us explicit um, evidence that He is God, and it, number two, it guarantees eternal salvation for those who believe in Him and His resurrection. And I'm just going to put up a slide there with some of the objections um, that the world has about the resurrection that we can understand what we, we may face. 
Number one, the first objection that we get, and I got this as well a few years ago, that Jesus was not really dead when they put him in the grave. But there's no evidence for that. The people believe that Jesus wasn't really dead, so when they put him in the grave, he sort of he ran away, and that's why it was empty. And that's an argument that people use. However, in scriptures and also other non-scriptural sources, it says that even the Pilate that was there on the day, um, he said it in Mark 15, verse 44, he certified the death of Jesus. So even him, the guy with a rank, he certified Jesus was dead, and also all the, the people around him, the, the, the soldiers, they said, okay, we're not going to break his bones because they checked, and he was dead. So there's no argument that he was alive and he ran away, and that's why it was an empty grave. So, so that's the first one. And the, the second one that the people say is that the disciples stole Jesus' body. The disciples stole his body. Now, if you study the Jewish history and the culture, um, yes, the people there, the Jews, they did believe ultimately at the end of time in a resurrected physical body, okay? So when Jesus spoke to them about, yes, I'll die, and yes, I'll be resurrected, they, they believed him, but what they were thinking is that one day in the future, at the end of time, he will be resurrected. So they were a little bit surprised when he got resurrected after three days. So because they were surprised, there was no reason for them to go and steal his body. They didn't expect him to rise from the dead. So they would have left him there until the end of, of day. So there's no um, argument there that they stole his, his um, that they stole his body. And also in Matthew 26 verse 66, it, it speaks about you know the, 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 the soldiers that were there. They say that there was a unit of six, uh, a, a unit there of soldiers which was about 16 people, where there was four at. The, the, the grave, the tomb, that watched constantly while the others rested and they rotated throughout the night all the time. So there was no real way that, that the disciples could roll away a rock that weighed, they say, about 1.5 tons without anyone hearing and responding and stealing the body. The rock that was in front of the tomb was locked in place with ropes and with a seal. You know those seal that they put on an envelope? The seal was there. So for them to come and to break the seal, to cut the ropes and to try and move a two-ton, 1.5-ton rock without being noticed, 
it's impossible. So that um, argument also holds no water. Um, where am I now? The, they, they stole his body. And, and then also the two, the, the next one, the two women, it was, it was Mary Magdalene and an, another, Mary, they say that the two, um, the woman that came to embalm his body, that they went to the wrong tomb. So, so what they witnessed, the empty grave, was because they went to a wrong tomb, but they did not. If you think about it again, they, they went back and they, they testified to two other disciples, to Peter and John, and those two men also went to the grave and saw, hey, but it's empty. So it's, it's, it's um, for four people to all have the wrong tomb, it doesn't make sense. And also, they put this, 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 the soldiers at the tomb of Jesus. So everybody knew where it was. It also wasn't in a, 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 a public uh, cemetery. Um, it was a, a, a private one. So everyone knew that the tomb. So it's highly unlikely that they went to the wrong tomb, and you can see that in John 20, verse 1 to 10. And one more, and that's, there's, there's heaps more, but just um, the last one is, they say that the people that witnessed afterwards that saw Jesus were hallucinating. They were on some kind of a drug or thing. But if you think, in the 40 days after the, the resurrection, before Jesus ascended, he appeared to his disciples at multiple places. He appeared to sometimes up to 500 people at a time and all different locations. So it's highly unlikely that hallucinations are, um, what do you call it, um, contagious. It's something that will happen with one guy there, one guy there, but, but to have everyone that witnessed him say, I was hallucinating, highly unlikely. So again, there's no um, argument there that um, all these things, there's, there's nothing that can that stand its ground and have an effective argument that Jesus didn't really die, that the resurrection wasn't really there. So there's the four there, but there's, there's a lot more. I just said I'm going to put the four just to make it a little bit shorter. So, but, how, but, but, but again, how do we know that the resurrection really happened? And let's, look, let's just quickly look at some of the, the, the evidence for that. And I said some before now, but um, with those four in the, in the points, but the, there's a, f a few more things. How do we know the resurrection happened? And the, f the first one is the, s the soldiers there at the grave, they testified that the grave was empty. In Matthew 28, verse 11 to 15, to 15, it speaks about that the, the, the soldiers ran away from the grave and they spoke to their authorities and said, 
listen, it's empty. Well, what are we going to do? It's gone. Where's Jesus? He's gone. And the authorities actually said that they will give them money to be false witnesses to say that the disciples stole his body. But we just saw from before it's highly unlikely that they could steal his body. So again, what they testified, even their false witness testifies to Jesus' resurrection. I love that. As, as, um, this, this, and secondly, the stone was out of the place, and this for me is, su- is super interesting. In John 20 verse 1, it speaks about that the stone was out of the place. So they say that the stone was about between 1.5 and 2 tons. Now, if you read that scripture, that um, John 20 verse 1, it speaks about, in, in the, 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 the Greek, it means the stone was out of the place. It does not mean the stone was rolled away. Like, there's a hole, so it was rolled away. No. It means that the stone was as if it was picked up and put at another place in the cemetery. It wasn't just rolled away. And that can only be done by divine intervention. It can't be done by humans, by human intervention. So the stone was, in the, 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 the Greek, it was literally as if it was picked up and carried away. Because remember, the stone was put in, put in they, they say, a little bit of a, a groove, so that it can go back and forth and back and forth, but not roll away. So it was literally picked up and moved away from the tomb. So there's no argument there that it was a divine intervention. And then, number three, inside the tomb. So in the tomb itself, so it's a big sort of a, I can't say a building, but a house. And when you walk in, Inside, there's an, an, an normally like a, a, a slab of rock, and they put on there the body. Now, on that this, 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 this slab of rock, the clothes or the, um, the linen that they put around Jesus was still lying there in, in full, full length. You can, yeah, in full length, like, like the way he was lying down, it was still there, and next to it was a handkerchief, a handkerchief that he had on his head that he neatly folded up and put next to his, the, the grave, the clothes. And that's something, and I think we've heard that before, it's like, it's like when you're in a, a restaurant and you've, you've done eating, you take your napkin and just you chuck it there and you go. But when, you, when you're not done eating yet, you you, you, you fold it nicely, and you go do what you need to do, and you come back so that the, the people there know you are not done here yet. So now the same way Jesus took that, that handkerchief that was on his head, and he, he folded it, and he put it next to his grave clothes as if he was saying, hey, I'm coming back. 
but it wasn't there then. It was just a, um, the, sh the shroud that he was on or in. And then the fourth thing is the scars. John 20 verse 26 to 38, uh, 26 to 28 speaks about there was this one uh, uh, disciples and you, you always have one of them in your church, always, in every church. They call him a doubting Thomas. So, so he said, you know what? And Jesus, I won't believe you that it is really you that you have resurrected, re resurrected if I don't see the scars. So what did Jesus do? He showed him the scars. There's a hole in the in his hand, there's the holiness in his side, there's the, the, the marks on his head. So his scars even testified that he is the resurrected Messiah. And not just Thomas that saw this, but everyone where, where Jesus went, they saw the same thing. And it testified of his resurrection. And the fifth thing is also, and I've just said that, is the sightings. So within the last 40 days that Jesus was on earth, he revealed himself to individuals, he revealed himself to groups. Um, two, three times he revealed himself to his disciples in the upper room. In 1 Corinthians 15 verse 6, it, it says that he revealed himself to over 500 people at a time. So there's many of these things, these evidences, scriptural and also non-scriptural books from that time that writes about all these things that the, the people saw. So even scriptures and non-scripture books reveals that Jesus is the resurrected Messiah. So any claim that is there that says he did not die or he is still dead, or that he didn't rise from the dead, it, it's got no leg to, um, to stand on. So it's good for us as believers to understand these things so that when people speak to us about it, we know how to answer them truthfully from Scriptures. Make sense? Okay. You all here this morning? I'm all still. It's Resurrection Sunday. We must be happy. So, one last thing. What do you guys think was the biggest evidence of the resurrection of Jesus? The biggest evidence. So we've got now the rock that was the move, the, 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 the shroud, the handkerchief, the, the people that witnessed him, the scars, and all these things. But what was the biggest, biggest witness and evidence to the resurrection of Christ. Who's got an idea? No one. It's quiet. The biggest, um, the biggest um, um, evidence of the resurrection of Jesus was the changed life of His disciples. Just have a think. The biggest evidence of Jesus' resurrection was the changed life of his disciples. It's like, 
What do you mean, Pastor? They were all good guys. Were they? <laughs> if you look before, before the resurrection of Jesus, what did the disciples do? Yes, they walked with Jesus. They saw all these things he did. They saw the signs, the wonders, the miracles. They saw the transfiguration of Jesus. They saw all these things. And then when they saw that the people came and they arrested Jesus, they bailed. No one left. Disciples were gone. They were cowards. They acted like cowards before the resurrection. In Matthew 26, verse 56, it reports that all the disciples of Jesus forsook him and they fled. All those guys. Because they were scared that they will also be arrested. It says in John 20, it says that some of his disciples, they actually hid behind locked doors. Like, And all these things. Peter denied him three times after everything, after they've seen all these things, after he walked also on water and whatnot, they denied him like cowards before the resurrection. But something drastically changed in their lives when they, when they saw the resurrected Jesus. Something drastically changed in their lives when they truly understood who Jesus is and what the, the resurrection means. That yes, Jesus is God. That yes, because now that He's God, that we know this, we can have eternal salvation. We can now believe in Him. So now they begin to preach with the boldness. It's not near yani yamar things. It's it's not just anymore that. They, they started to preach boldness. They, they actually came out and spoke to the same people that crucified Jesus, the same um, the Jewish authorities there. They spoke about the resurrection, the resurrected Christ to them with the boldness, with no fear, and with everything within them. They completely now submitted to God the Father. They lay down their lives and they didn't care about who thinks what as long as the world knows this is the resurrected Jesus. And they preached him to everyone that was willing to hear. And they were willing to forsake everything, including their lives, to spread the good news about Jesus. And for them, only the evidence of a resurrected Jesus could adequately account for such a dramatic turnaround. The disciples were on fire. The disciples were on fire. And even Paul, when he met Jesus on the Damascus Road, he was, he was one of the the biggest witnesses of the resurrection of the power. When he met Jesus on the, um, the road to, to, to Damascus, 
He changed from someone that hated Jesus. He hated the church. He crucified people. He killed them. He murdered um, people. He, he persecuted the church. From that, when he met Jesus, when he understood the, the, resurrection, the resurrected Christ and everything that happened on the cross, he turned to be the biggest evangelist ever in history that wrote just more than half of the books of the New Testament. Just because understanding the power of the resurrection. And the church that day, and this is just an interesting fact, I'm on the sideline. The people that day that understood it, they were so on, on, on fire for Jesus. Um, it, it said that then on, in, in the city of, 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 of Antioch, it was where the, the first, the, the people that were so on fire that there they started to call themselves Christians. And it was here at that time because of the realization of the resurrected Christ that the Christians that day begin to worship on a Sunday. It's not because they were, were rebels or heretics. It's because they celebrated the power of the resurrected Christ on that day because Jesus rose from the dead on a Sunday. Just for the people that wanted to know why we have church on a Sunday, not a Saturday. During his time of resurrection, so many new believers celebrated the resurrection of Jesus on a Sunday. So the cross, it, for us, it represents a doomsday for sin, but hope for the sinners. It condemns the sin, but it cleanses our soul. The cross is where Jesus was crucified in our place and where Christ brings resurrection life to all mankind. The bloodstained cross is gruesome to some, but the empty cross is full of hope. He is the one raised on the third day. His bodily resurrection, therefore, is the resurrection by which we are given the promise that our own bodies, like this, will be raised on the third day and glorified to reflect who He is. And in the end, all we can take with us from this is, is the, the words of Nepal in, in Romans 10 verse 9 that says, if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. When you confess with your mouth and you believe in your heart, you will be saved. You can't not believe because there's the facts. You can choose to ignore the facts, but the facts are so strong 
that you can't deny the facts. We can't not believe. Amen? I'm just going to ask the team, guys, to, to hand out the communion, and we're going to end up with communion. Um, this m- the morning with, with um, communion, there's, there's something in, 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 in my spirit that the Lord put that I just want to, to share with you guys. So when we prayed as well this morning, as a team here before the service, uh, Marissa asked us all if we, that we should pray that the Lord must uh, show us a picture or something that if there's something that He wants to do today in the service, and there were some amazing things um, that the Lord showed our team. And I truly believe that this morning His angels are with us here as we, as we receive the communion, as we um, celebrate His resurrection today. One thing I saw when we prayed, there's like a massive light that was on that side of the communion. And I asked the Lord, Lord, what does that, what does that mean? And He took me to a, a scripture. Can't remember it now; it went over my head. But He took me to, to a scripture about in, in the Old um, the, the, the Testament in the, the temple, in, in 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 the Holy of Holies. They and there was what they called the bread of His presence. So the the priests, when they did the sacrifices for the people before the Lord, they first had to take the bread of His presence. And when they take the, the bread of His presence, which was in that holy place, the bread was holy, so they became clean and holy before a God. And then they stepped in like that to meet God and to make sacrifices for for Israel. And I believe that for us as well, it's a word from the Lord that He is the risen Christ. We don't eat man-made bread anymore to make us holy. Scripture says that when we take the communion, we partake of the body of Christ. It's not just a word, it's we partake of Him. It's not just a, a, a symbol. Like when you eat the bread, it is His body that comes within us and cleanses us and heals us. When we drink the juice, it's not just a, a, a symbol of His blood. Scripture says it is His blood that we take within us and we receive everything he did for us on the cross and then after the resurrection power we receive that within us when we have communion that's why it is not it's not a a a common thing that when we take the communion that we receive also healing in our bodies because that is what Christ died for us for on the the cross as well that we receive healing in our physical bodies that we receive healings in our soul our mind our thinking and that we become 
perfect and holy before Him. So I want you to, to picture today, if there's anyone here this morning that has um, any kind of a, a, a sickness within the, the physical the body, arms, legs, back, neck, whatever, hearts, lungs, think when you, you can see in your, your mind's eye when you eat the bread and when you drink the cup, you can see the body of Christ goes to that area in your body and replaces that sickness with his wholeness. The same if you struggle with fear in your mind, fear, anxiety, depression. See that darkness, that heaviness over you. See it in your mind lift when you, when you have a communion. Because that is what it came for, is to remove all those things to set us free so that we can live with Him resurrected lives, fully whole in Him. Amen. So let's have that. You can have that in your own time. And afterwards, we're just going to end with a, I'll end with a, um, a, 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 a prayer. And after the prayer, there's just going to be one more song that we're going to end the service with. So you can have a communion in your own time. As you have your communion, just two things I feel you need to reflect about as well. And that is, the first one is, how has the risen Christ, the risen Jesus, changed your life? How has what, what He did on the cross affected you? How has it changed your life? And this, the second one is, how does your, your the, the passion for Jesus and the love for this resurrection, the, the message, compare with the, the disciples in the, the days of Jesus? They were on fire. They dis decided to commit everything that they had to spreading the good news of Jesus. So in your heart, how do you feel about the resurrected Christ? How do you feel about the message of salvation, of who Jesus is? Is there a flame in your heart, or is there no more flame? If, if, if there is a flame, we thank you, Lord, for that. But if there is no, no flame, then ask the Lord, Lord, what do I need to do? How can I come back to you? How can I ignite that flame for you again in my life.
We thank you, Lord, for this morning. We thank you, Lord, Kokat, that we can be here this morning in the, the presence of you, Almighty Father, in the presence of Jesus, of Holy Spirit, in the presence of your angels, in the, the, the presence, Lord God, of the, the fellow believers, our family. We thank you, Lord God, that we can come as a church today and just celebrate this amazing day that you are risen. We thank you, Jesus, that we know because you are risen, you are God, that because you are risen, we can have eternal life with you. I pray, Holy Spirit, that you will take this word and everything that we learned this morning, everything that you heard this mo- that we heard this morning, and that you will cement that in our hearts, Lord, Lord God, that we can, like this, this disciples, Lord, stand up confidently and proclaim your good news, that we can stand up confidently and speak about you who we believe in and speak about the facts of the Bible and not just the facts, that we speak about the truths of the Bible with confidence because we have your Holy Spirit within us. We thank you for that, Father. I pray for your protection, Lord, over each and everyone here this morning. I pray, Lord, for an awesome rest of this day and this next week. I pray for an awareness of your presence for the next few weeks as well, Lord God, that we constantly walk with that knowing that you, the resurrected Christ, is with us always. We thank you for who you are. May the peace of Lord Jesus Christ be upon each and everyone here this morning. Amen.